This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The French election is over and Emmanuel Macron has beaten back the challenge of Marine Le Pen by a substantial margin. So what does this mean for France and for Europe and as well the United States? To discuss this and more, we welcome back Joao Gomes, who is a professor of finance here at the Wharton School. And also joining us on the phone is Olivier Chatan, assistant professor in strategy and business policy department at HEC Paris. He's also a senior fellow at Wharton's Mac Institute for Innovation Management. Joao, great to see you again, as always. Good morning, Ken. Thank you. Olivier, great to have you back with us as well. Yeah, thank you. Hi, Dan. Hi, Joao. Good morning, Olivier. So I'm going to talk about this at the start from from two perspectives. And Olivier, I'll, I'll have you jump on this part of it. What does this victory by Macron mean for France? Well, I, I wish we knew the answer. Uh, it means that somehow uh, all the prognosis of a very strong showing of Marine Le Pen would did not come up to, to, to reality. Uh, it's it's a start of the I would say at least a two month period of uh, uncertainty because uh, the next step will be the parliamentary elections, will will the outcome of which will really matter to to see to what extent uh, Emmanuel Macron will have the ability to implement his program. So this is really the, the thing to to look forward. Uh, but thinking back, uh, if you look at the election itself, you see that in there was a lot. Participation was quite high, in spite of it being not as high as it used to be. Uh, what what happened in the run-up to the to the to the second round of this Sunday was sort of a very poor performance of Le Pen. Uh, I think the, one of the debates proved uh, the, the debate proved quite decisive, with Le Pen not being really showing that she was not really ready for prime time. So now we are back to a lot of politicking the next two months, and uh, we'll have to wait for the results of the parliamentary election to see really in what direction things would go. So, Joao, now, when you look at Europe in general, what do you think this means for Europe? I think people in Brussels are probably the happiest ones with this vote. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was very much their candidate. This is their opportunity, as they perceive it, to rejuvenate Europe and uh, the European um, dream. Uh, on the other hand, um, I think there's some nervousness in London. This was not their favorite candidate, although relative to the alternate second round, I think it was. But but I think they would much prefer somebody like Fillon, for example, to be elected president. Um, they're very nervous about the, the negotiation stance um, that Brussels might take with this renewed energy coming out of coming out of the, the presidential election in France and and, and, and uh, parliamentary election in Holland. It's still early to say, but but I think clearly this is this is um, this gives hope to, to uh, Europe that there will be a new agenda of pro growth, maybe pro reform that will deliver on the European promise and it will uh, rejuvenate Europe uh, for years to come. A lot depends, I think obviously as, as Olivia said on the parliamentary election. A lot also depends yeah. on the German election. Uh, in October, and, and obviously, Olivier, that's uh, you talked about the the parliamentary election, but the German election coming up is, is a very important piece to this as well. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, with with uh, uh, the the way that Europe is structured right now, and with what is going on with the Brexit, is there a potential outlier that may be able to kind of uh, break up the EU or at least kind of put a dent in it right now? Or is the EU a fairly solid entity at this moment? 
Well, as I was saying to, jokingly to some of my colleagues, well, maybe we have at least five more years of EU as far as we are concerned. Right. Uh, what can go badly would be not really coming from France or at least for the next five years or, or, or Germany because whoever wins in Germany, I don't think, is, is not going to to create a lot of upheaval in, in the EU. I would be more concerned with what might still come up from countries like uh, Italy or maybe the, some more uh, echoes from the, the Greek crisis. That's, that's going to be more of a, the big concern, I think, or potential concern. But it's clear that you see the, a lot of clouds being cleared up for, for the next couple of years. Was there any, I mean, there wasn't really a surprise that Macron won this, Joao, no. but with the margin being 65-35, was that at any piece an element to the surprise, or was there kind of an underlying piece that maybe you saw that was a little bit of a surprise to you as this all played out yesterday? Um, I mean, you never know, right? Um, and I think the debate mattered a lot. I think the, the, these, these events with, with the emails over the weekend, you yeah. just don't know what that's going to do. I think... I would tend to interpret this as more of a negative majority than uh, an outright large mandate for Macron. Um, and, and that gives me a little bit of pause and, and that makes me you know, look at the parliamentary elections as we, with some more concern than I would have had. I, I don't think this is an overwhelming endorsement of a candidate that is beloved by the French people at this stage. It's very much a majority against Marine Le Pen and just an acceptable choice as president. And, and so I, I think that that is uh, something to think about when, when you think about the ability of Macron and, and whoever his choice is going to be for prime minister and, and to actually execute on the specifics of reforms that are pro-growth. I think the German election matters in one respect. I think uh, Merkel is very much of a realist and I think she will, in some sense, very quickly bring Macron to the reality that um, the German reality that this is not going to change very much the dynamics of the Eurozone. Well, uh, and, and a victory by the SPD would give something like a like minded uh, prime minister, chancellor in Germany that would sort of say, okay, let's let's push for a pro growth agenda mm -hmm. much more um, much more supportive of of, of of I think what Macron has in mind and and in that sense you'd be I think in the short run more more uh, um, beneficial to the European Union Olivier any, any anything that caught you by surprise the size of the margin was a bit of a surprise uh, I think there was no question that Macron would win is still scoring better than, than was expected, and that's probably the consequences of the debate. I think that uh, what's, what's, what Joe is really pointing out to uh, that's important is the big question is to what extent Macron has a positive or, or negative mandate. Uh, what I would like to observe is that even though he may not have a very big personal mandate, it's clear that those who oppose him don't seem to be able to agree with each other, and that's going to leave him some some big margin of maneuver, I think. So what do you think are the most important issues for Macron to, to really look at right as, as he heads into office, Olivier? Uh, one of the biggest issues that he has already highlighted will be uh, labor market reform. That's something that he wants to, to depend. That's something that he started when he was uh, Ministry of, of the Economy, but that was kind of uh, what uh, really uh, 
let's say, um, that did not go through as much as he wanted, that created a lot of conflict between him and the, and the current president with mm-hmm. Hollande. So I think he's going to go back on that, and there's going to be a bit test because you already have trade unions who are going to argue about the process by which he wants these reforms to happen. Right. He basically wants to launch a series of decrees on that. But So the thing to watch would be to what extent these trade unions are going to fight very hard or not against Macron. Joao? No, I agree. I think that's a great test. And I think, you know, the, I, 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 I think the audience might like just comparisons with the U.S. I think we've, we've seen how what it is, how difficult it is to set up a new administration when you when you're just pretty much a candidate comes out of nowhere with no experience. I think Macron is exactly that um, to come up with 286 members of parliament from a party that just did not exist up to two years ago or so. Who are these people? Who is they going to recruit? Are they going to be loyal uh, in the face of all the difficulties? I mean, labor reform has been the graveyard of, of several French um, administrations. So this is a real difficult task. Uh, and, I mean, I don't. I'm not particularly optimistic. I think maybe some in, some some steps may be taken, but I'm, I, I find this really really difficult. So Mr. Macron may have himself quite a a, a challenge ahead of him trying to get stuff passed because exactly. of, because of the layout of what Parliament may very well be. I think so. I think it's it's questionable whether he's even going to get a majority to begin with. But even if he does, it does not have a lot of personal friends. Quite the opposite, one yeah. would argue. Um, so um, it, it mattered a lot whether this election delivered him a positive majority is sort of a strong personal um, mandate that he can sort of carry through at least for a year or two goodwill through, through to help him pass some of these difficult things through parliament. I, I doubt that that's what happened here. Uh, we, but we'll find out in, in another month or so. We are joined in studio by Joao Gomes, who is a professor of finance here at the Wharton School, Olivier Chatan, joining us on the phone, assistant professor at HEC Paris, also a senior fellow here at the Wharton Mac Institute. Your comments welcome throughout at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. What does this mean, Joao, for the United States? Um, President hmm. Trump sent a very, a very nice uh, kind of conciliatory tweet out, uh, hmm. saying congratulations to uh, the new president. What does this mean for the United States? Well, it means we have a president in France that doesn't think very highly of our president in the United States. Yeah. That's clear. Um, um, now they might have been true either way, but. Uh, so that's a problem. I think there's areas in which clearly there's issues. Uh, climate change is, is one big potential conflict um, that will show up at some point. But I think one threat uh, to some extent to France over the last few years, where, which is very common to the concerns of this administration, is terrorism. And there's a lot of room to cooperate on that and find common ground. Um, and and ma- now maybe the approaches will be entirely different. Um, but I think there's there's some potential to at least find some 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 serious cooperation. But trade is another place where yeah. clearly uh, we have a problem. Um, I think reality will take over at some point. But I think in the short run, um, we will have at least posture that will be uh, difficult to reconcile. Olivier? Well, with respect to the relationship with the U.S., I would expect quite a lot of continuity, uh, especially regarding terrorism and, I would say, a lot of foreign affairs in general. We've already seen that the Trump administration has had time to come up to, to reality to a large extent, and there's already a hell of a lot of cooperation for things that relate to 
ter- anti-terrorism activities and, and defense. So I, I expect that to continue. There's already a lot of integration behind the scene that is not necessarily much talked about, but that's really something that's going to continue, I believe. Which is interesting because obviously, uh, and unfortunately, w- when we have seen instances of uh, of terrorism, several of them obviously have been in uh, in in France, and a lot of people have wondered. You know, the approach of Mr. Macron is to keep the borders open, uh, but it, it does make you wonder if the, there is the potential there, Olivier, for him to reconsider that thought process along the way. Well, I, I think that the, the Macron administration policy will be to say that, well, you know, terrorists can always cross borders if they want. Uh, to the extent that you'll have a big ocean between yourself and the place in the world where you have a big crisis, people right. will always come through. So then you have to be smart about how to do that. And you don't want to, to throw the baby with the, the bathwater. And that was pretty much what he said during the debate, saying that, well, you want to close borders, but we actually already have a lot of abilities to control people if we want. What is needed actually is more cooperation between services within France. And so I think it's going to be more about boosting French capabilities rather than relying on gimmicks like let's pretend to close borders. Uh, What is it then, going back to climate change for a second, uh, what can Macron potentially do uh, where the Paris Agreement is concerned moving forward? Because obviously that's one of the things here in the United States that that the president had talked about, hasn't really acted upon it at this point, uh, that uh, you know could be a potential area that he wanted to get the United States out of, Olivier. So, I mean, we could very well have conversations like that going on, could mm-hmm. we not? So it's clearly something that was on, on Macron's mind because he mentioned the, the issue of climate change in his very first speech after having been declared the, the winner. I believe that what's going to happen is going to be a lot of soft diplomacy or behind-the-scenes argument to try to explain to the U.S. that they actually have nothing to lose to remain in the Paris Agreement and that hoping that to, to, to keep the U.S. in hoping for better days when the different administration may be more proactive. I agree. Joao? I, I entirely agree. I think that's exactly what will happen. Um, and, and then the question is uh, whether they will succeed or not, whether the Trump administration will feel like they need a clear sign that uh, things are different and, and uh, they, they will not be persuaded, for, mostly for political reasons. But I think I agree completely. That's exactly what will happen. How important are the, going switching back, how important are the economic issues for Mr. Macron? And really, for the the French economy right now, extraordinarily important. I think there there's several reasons why President Hollande did not run for re-election. One is I think, um, in spite of the just this broad liberal attitude towards uh, managing um, terrorist threats to to France, he's just been perceived as being incompetent, unable to to really protect France. And then second is France has not had significant economic growth for five or six years. Um, I think that uh, that's that just an indictment of, of his inability to to move positively from the Sarkozy administration and, and deliver growth. I think whatever he tried just failed repeatedly. And I, I don't think people are persuaded this Macron's um, offers better solutions, but I think it's just the best of, of a, a bunch of poor alternatives. But, um, but I think that comes number one. And I think that the big question is, do you get strong sort of growth push coming from Germany and France and, and just yeah. the Eurozone together? Or do you get some rebalancing between Germany and France that sort of allows uh, for more 
more export growth and more and more growth uh, f generally from France without significant reforms, which I think are very unlikely to pass through uh, a French parliament with all the opposition that I expect in the coming years. Well, I wondered, Olivier, because I mean, obviously, for the, for the French economy uh, going forward, the opportunity for them to, to find that growth, uh, what are the sectors there that really present the, the best chance for them to do that, to really, you know, to boost up uh, what the what Germany has been able to do, what uh, what other elements of of the uh, of the EU and the eurozone have been able to do? Well, traditionally, the, the French economy has been very strong in, at uh, exporting services, for instance. So that's something that has always been. Uh, a strong point in, in the economy. Uh, but the, in order to, to really situate also the, the election of Macron, what is very interesting is to see who voted for him. And these are typically the people who see themselves as entrepreneurial, who actually were the most on the side of Macron. You would have more educated people, but also people who believe that well, what, what they can do in their life for their economic well-being is actually going to make a difference. So there's a sense where, where Macron is trying to tap into a certain entrepreneurial optimism, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that was maybe not that underscored in the, in the press coverage, but was more focused on the, the opposite of that, which is like, you know, mm -hmm. Le Pen voters were very disgruntled. So I would think that uh, Macron is actually, his election is going to, to help foster a climate where people will be more likely to, let's say, to, to try new things. Uh, although, of course, it depends on changing the, the frameworks to, to make that easier. I would add just one dimension that, that I think his election is, is very, um, it could be very attractive for France. Is that we're undergoing a shift, a relocation of financial services. And the magnitude is just hard to estimate yeah. from London post-Brexit to the continent and, and Macron in that, if nothing else, could really help France become a much more attractive place uh, for all these firms that are thinking of relocating and, and changing um, their headquarters, their large mass of, of, of bankers to the continent. Um, I think that could help a lot. Um, and that's one sector where I think it's, it's, a, it's a relatively easy picking. Uh, and, and one of the things that always stand in the way of particular financial sector is the threat that France is just a, a bad place to do business. Uh, the taxes are too high, the right. regulation is too high, and, and, and he has a relatively easy uh, easy time there if he wants. But the opportunity, Olivier, for them to, to make those changes if they can, and, and obviously it would be potentially a, a pretty decent boost to the economy of mm -hmm. France to be able to bring some of those companies across the channel and, and, and into France. I, I mean, that's a that's something that, from a business perspective, you have to look at and, and try and do what you can to get these, these changes made. Yeah, and I think Macron will be pretty shameless at attempting to, to, to do that. <laughs> yes. uh, he had, to give you an example, he had a message in English at the moment when um, President Trump was signing the executive order on immigration, telling to all researchers in the world, hey, come on, you can come to France if you, cannot go, if you cannot come to the U.S. And it was very clear as well that he wanted to to get more financial service coming to, to, to France in, in the wake of Brexit by insisting that financial uh, sector in the U.K. won't be able to to operate within, with, within the Eurozone without at least, you know, either contributing to the EU budget significantly or, or accepting other conditions. I think the goal is clearly to, to try to channel these, these firms back to the continent and hopeful, hopefully hoping for, for Paris to get some. Of we, 
We are joined on the phone uh, by Olivier Chatan of HEC Paris, Joao Gomes uh, of the Wharton School joining me here in studio. We're talking about the French elections. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. How much of an element is there with the French people? And obviously a lot has been made with the Brexit going on mm. about people who are from other locations working in Paris and and, and obviously that is that is a uh, an important area Olivier for uh for this government this new uh uh this new Macron uh, government to to really be focused on so that they can you know take uh, take as many steps as they can to make sure that this is a a seamless transition going forward yeah i think that uh the economy in general and macroeconomics is really where Macron is most at ease. And I believe that in his mind, it's very clear that we we need to go towards a system closer to what you have in Scandinavian countries, namely combining strong protection at some level, which we already have here, but also a lot of flexibility. And you can do that while staying open. And if you can do that and still attract talent from, from outside, that, that's something that, as a plan, that's something that seems very reasonable and, and achievable. Uh, now, the thing to watch as well, whatever, I mean, assuming Macron gets either a majority, which I think is, is not impossible, or he gets into some kind of a coalition with uh, over certain right elements, the thing to watch will be what reforms will be passed during the summer. The summer, especially July and August, is uh, the traditional time when you get reforms to be passed in France when most people are busy doing something else, namely vacationing. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned when we had uh, you both on last week, this becomes a very important week or two for Mr. Macron, as going back to the parliament uh, for a moment. This becomes a very important period of time for him and his people that are going to be in his uh, administration to basically recruit as many uh, supporters as he can so that he can have a a quote-unquote majority as, as he moves forward with his, with his work. Yeah, and, and make no mistake, this this has been planned. Uh, so it's clear that the, the Macron campaign has been working on setting up a list of candidates, because I think they need 577 candidates for a parliamentary election. Right. That process has actually been started uh, already in the spring. And uh, I, I, I've heard as well that some of the issues they selected – uh, to be to be put on the platform are also those that they believe will help them win some, certain particular districts. So this is clearly something that they're not discovering now. So they have a plan. So can they execute on that? We will find out. But they are not coming to this totally empty-handed and with no plan. They, they, they have some sort of a plan yeah. and they thought about it. Joa? Uh, they do it. I'm sure a lot of the people, the basic tension is a lot of, the easiest thing is just to get the existing member of parliament to switch to your party. Uh, yeah. The question is, and I'm sure they'll do that a lot, but the question is, will the, is that exactly what the voters have in mind when they thought about change? And and that yeah. the moment, that basic tension of what the president is, is supposed to be, this sort of transformation of France politics mm -hmm. into, this is basically the same thing with a different different cloth, um, that tension becomes difficult to negotiate and, and, and reality sets in uh, or not. Um, 
Um, so we'll have to find out. But I think there is a plan. I think a lot of it uh, will – I think there's a decent chance. I agree. There's, a, there's some chance that it will get a majority. The question is, will that be the sort of stable, loyal mm-hmm. majority that uh, – I mean, this is going to be a new party. Um, these people come from all sorts of places. Um, yeah. So there's an interesting twist if you look at these parliamentary elections, which maybe was not really mentioned so far, is that you have a lot of incumbents who are not running for re-election because they had to choose between the their parliamentary seat and their local uh, mandate, and most of them chose their local mandate. Okay. So, so built in, you have a lot of incumbents who are just not running again. And that's going to create a lot more fluidity that one would have had usually. Well, how how much percentage wise do you have incumbents out of the out of the entire parliament? Uh, I know. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have an exact number. Right. But uh, for instance, in the city where I live, you have a, the current mayor is also the representative, and he's actually quite a dynamic guy who's like in, the, in his fifties and he's not running right. again, but who is putting on essentially one of his cronies. Uh, and that's not necessarily something that's, that should be a very easy seat to pick up for Les Républicains in, in that case. But I'm not convinced that, you know, getting another 31-year-old Ed who's never worked, who's always been in politics, to, to try to pick up that seat would necessarily work very well in the, in the current atmosphere. So, so it might be more fluid than we might imagine. Great to have you both back with us. Thank you, Olivier. Joao, great to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Olivier. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you. You got it, Olivier. Uh, Olivier Chetan from HEC Paris, also senior fellow here at the uh, Mac Institute here at Wharton. Uh, Joao Gomes, uh, professor of finance here at Wharton as well. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.